Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for a full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. Recognizing all the ways that stress is present in our daily lives and recognizing that our physiology is not very discerning of those, we've just accepted that as normal life. Mm -hmm. Our body is receiving and perceiving all of that as stress and constantly trying to respond to it because our body is always for us. So it's trying to fight the fires in the background, but we don't realize how tired and depleted it can get doing that. And then we just expect it to get up and move on and handle a huge life stress that may be around the corner as well. Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am pleased to have Dina Norton. She is a registered dietitian and holistic nutrition coach with Back to the Book Nutrition, a website and virtual practice dedicated to helping clients find and fix the root causes of their gut and hormone system so they can get back to life. Dina holds bachelor's and master's degree in nutrition and is currently working toward functional medicine certification. When Dina faced HP axis dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and gut symptoms that traditional medicine couldn't explain or fix, she found answers in the world of holistic nutrition and functional medicine. Her own dramatic recovery opened her eyes to a whole new approach to health and gave her a passion to help others find healing as well. With over 15 years experience in both the traditional medical system and the holistic health sphere, Dina now combines all she's learned to leverage the best research-backed and results-driven approaches to help their clients optimize their health. Her work has been featured on Dr. Axe, Prevention Magazine, Fitness Magazine, The Huffington Post, and many others. Dina, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm really interested in hearing about your story. You know, everyone who ends up in the functional medicine, integrative medicine, naturopathic medicine realm seems to have a story where traditional medicine failed them, and then it launches them to find alternative ways, alternative means to fix their issues. So I, I'm, I'd love to hear more about your personal story. 
Sure. Yeah. And I love that we're in that still feel like sort of a transition space in our field that everyone is still so closely connected to what got them there. I think that's such a wonderful way that we can connect with our patients and clients. So um, my experience was that I was trained traditionally and very much like you worked very much in the traditional world, had a sense of wanting to help the whole person and knowing there was more beneath the surface, root causes and such, but just was not my training. And so then when I came home to start a family, um, I in time began a business and had two babies and went through some personal stressors and it sort of all became too much. And I started to see lots of different symptoms and lots of different body systems. And it worried me and my background had been in cancer. So I was really worried, (laughs) but you know, my period started getting strange. I started having severe headaches, you know, lots of mood changes, energy, I was falling asleep in the middle of the day, lots of different things, flagging um, need for attention. And so I did what I knew to do. I went to my primary doctor. I started going to a few specialists, everything checked out. I was normal, quote unquote, Um, Like so many of my clients come to me, um, you know, saying that they've been told as well. So no one knew what to do. I mean, they offered me medication to address the symptoms, but that's, I knew that there was more. I really wanted to understand why it was happening. Why is a 34 year old, you know, feeling like a 70 year old and acting like she's going through menopause? You know, there has to be an answer. And so I really honestly went through this period of trying to read everything I could get my hands on in the scientific literature and beginning to read more outside of my sphere in the more holistic space, but still trying to keep it very focused on what has been proven. What do we know physiologically and scientifically? And I had to humble myself and get help outside of my field. And I had to go to a nutritionist, which is like the ultimate humbling, right? For a doctor to go to a health coach or for a dietitian to go to a nutritionist and admit that I didn't know everything and my system did not have all the answers for me. And I found through that holistic care and then learning more about functional medicine and kind of ordering tests for myself, I delved into a whole new world. And um, what impacted me the most was it worked. I mean, within months, I felt like I'm back. You know, I wasn't fully myself again, but I finally had hope, a realistic hope that I was getting better and I would continue to get better. Whereas before I was really fearful. I did not know what was going on. But once I understood the root causes and was able to address them with such basic things, many of which we'll talk about today, you know, like pulling back, saying no, sleeping more, eating a little better, you know, listening to my body instead of forcing it to just keep going and keep going. So a lot of it was retraining my mindset and my perspective on health and my body. Um, But then there was a lot of specific things too, you know, fix my gut and adding in some supplements to help my stress axis and all of those things. But I just made such a dramatic recovery that then I became this poster child. And I'm looking around at all these women, especially in my age and stage group, going through similar life stressors. And I was talking about it all the time, you know, because I was so sold on this is what you need. And so honestly, I'd already begun a website that was more focused on healthy recipes, but so many people were asking me questions and wanted to know what to do. And I was so passionate. I was spending hours, you know, replying to emails and doing more research and learning on my own so that I could just help people. And my husband's the more entrepreneurial of the two of us. And he's like, you should find a way to make this a business. You know, if that many people (laughs) want that kind of help and you're passionate about doing it and you're obviously helping people, let's try to weave this into what we've already got going. So I began to see clients again. And then that really just, the more people I saw, the more passion I became, the more I wanted to know, learn and know and do for them and with them. And so now I'm you know, in the middle of a functional medicine certification program. And that's really become what I do now mainly as clients. I have the website with a lot of great information and healthy recipes and all of that. But my main focus is one-on-one client care, which really has been my passion ever since even my first career. I love 
helping people understand their bodies and empowering Mm -hmm. them to take care of them well. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's my great passion, but now I feel like I have so many more tools in my toolkit to, to help me do that. And just having been there in one sense or another helps me, I think, connect with people and understand just how hard it is and just how frustrating it is to feel like your body's out of your control and feel like you're going to experts and they don't know. Um, but the more I've learned, and I'm sure the more you have too, the more I'm um, completely convinced that there are always reasons and most of them we can't understand and many of them we can fix. So that's who I am and what I do. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, yeah. That's great uh, information. And I love hearing about other people's stories and how they got to where they are today. Yeah. And with your HP axis dysfunction, I mean, it was all centered around adrenal fatigue. Just your system was just overstressed yeah. from whatever it was, you know, whether it was just life, you know, your body just giving out on you secondary to the excessive amounts of stress hormones flooding your system where the point what where your just body just started to um, fail you. And interesting enough, you know, you'd expect this kind of thing to occur, you know, as we get older and as we have more wear and tear placed on our body. But you experienced this at a relatively young age. So it was either a product of way too much stress or the lack of mechanisms to cope with the stress. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Our conventional mindset is that, okay, you know, it's going to take a lot of time for our stress systems to overwhelm our bodies. But I don't now, I don't think that's the case. And we have to address that very early on. We have to develop uh, coping mechanisms and other ways of dealing with our stress. And, you know, let's have a discussion about the stress and, and, and like, how do we define, define stress in the terms that you're familiar with and how you work with your clients? Yeah, well, I think stopping and defining it is so important today more than ever because it's something that we all give lip service to, but it's become this cultural norm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm too stressed. I really need to reduce my stress. We kind of give it a little laugh and we move on and we we keep going. And stopping to define it, I think, is so important because many people don't realize what all is contributing to our you know, stress bucket, if you will. Many people recognize easily that things that feel overwhelming or feel scary or feel hard are stressful. They are. That mental, emotional, bad stress. We all know what that is and most of us can recognize it readily. But there's this whole other side of physiological stressors that like I think as you said, is becoming more and more um, necessary that we be aware of and proactively deal with and reduce so that our baseline level of stress is not just brimming at the surface and then any one little thing just tips us, you know, the straw mm-hmm. that broke the camel's back because we can all take it until we can't. Can't. And we can't always predict what that last final thing will be. And I think that was that was definitely my story. And it's the story of a lot of clients. You know, when we really go back and look at their health history and the story. You know, I was on oral contraceptives for years, you know, lots and lots of things. I was a restrictive eater for years. I definitely didn't love fat. You know, a lot of things that ended up being good for me. I was squelching those for many years, just having no idea that they were really affecting, you know, the fundamental systems of managing stress and balancing hormones in my body. And I think that's what we have to take it back to is taking an inventory. So all these physiological stressors, things like blood sugar imbalances, things like sleep deprivation, which is completely epidemic in our culture, um, you know, so many things physiologically um, have an impact on our stress load. If we have low-grade inflammation because we're overweight or because we have autoimmunity or because we have some other brewing underlying chronic issue, that's a constant stressor 
to our stress system. Um, so all of that is really like steady fuel on the fire. And so we really have to minimize those as best we can in addition to preparing for a big occasional life stressor. So the physiological stress bucket, I think is significant. Um, the other thing I see people not really appreciating is that so many good things can be stressful. So, you know, people come to me doing like intermittent fasting and really amping up their exercise and doing all these things that should be good for their health. And they would be if they were resilient enough to really handle that in a way where the body meets the challenge and rises above it, that hormesis, the body's really good at doing that if you're in a place of good nutrition and good rest and resilience. However, if you're depleted and really strapped and not sleeping enough, you know, hitting the gym six days a week is not helping you. It is probably digging you further in the ditch. So I think a lot of it comes with discerning too. It may be good for my neighbor, or it may have been good for me five years ago, but right now in the state my body's in with all that it's facing, it may be a net negative for me. And so that, mm -hmm. even though it's quote unquote good, may need to sit on the back burner for a while. And I may need to instead spend that time learning how to do deep breathing or just mm -hmm. relaxing in nature or booking an extra hour of sleep every night, just like I would book a meeting, um, you know, and so recognizing all the ways that stress is present in our daily lives and recognizing that our physiology is not very discerning of those. So constant phone notifications or overexposure to blue light. I mean, all of these things to your body, it's always having to measure what kind of a stress that is and what kind of a response to give it. Whereas we've just accepted that as normal life. Mm -hmm. Our body is receiving and perceiving all of that as stress and constantly trying to respond to it because our body is always for us, maybe even more than ourselves sometimes. So it's trying to fight the fires in the background, um, but we don't realize how tired and depleted it can get doing that. And then we just expect it to get up and move on and handle a huge life stress that may be around the corner as well. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting. I mean, there's several, like you were talking about, there's buckets of stress, right? There's a bucket of physiological stress where our bodies, our physical self uh, undergoes processes you know, that are actually counterproductive because of the increased exposure of stress. And there's so many things that affects our bodies downstream just from the simple exposure of stressors in our daily lives. And, you know, some of the things that you've outlined, you know, in our discussion, you know, from a physiological and as a physician, you know, I like to really talk about this because no one really understands how bad the stress can be on our bodies. I mean, you know, for example, the, the stress that we endure on a regular basis in order for our bodies to compensate for the stress, we have to have an increase in cortisol production. And as a result, that uh, diversion of the production of a cortisol takes away the substrate for forming hormones. And, you know, that can actually manifest as, as some type of HP axis dysfunction you know, or other etiologies of endocrine dysfunction. And it's all about a bounce. And, you know, and additionally, we can have things like leaky gut syndrome. That, that is a direct impact from excessive cortisol production and excessive stress that our bodies face. Um, and, and as a result, you know, we all understand that stress can increase blood pressure. And that's common. That's commonplace. But the other things like it's actually causing some problems with our immune function. Mm -hmm you know, we don't really think about that. So, and the reason why it's, it hits home for me is because I really truly fundamentally believe that my cancer that I endured, because it's not in genetic based cancer, and I got struck with it at 40 years old, it was a matter of being exposed to a overwhelming amount of stress 
for 40 years. I think I was born into this world with stress and I just never got out of that fight or flight response. Yeah. And that's so important to modulate our stress so that we can reduce these physiological issues that arise from circulating stress hormones and yeah, our bodies just unfortunately shut down. And then there's the emotional side of the stress, right? You know, it can cause unbelievable issues with depression and anxiety. And, and all these things just cause our bodies just to shut down as you're, as you're very familiar with. So with all this taken into consideration, like how do you approach um, a client and how do you address their stress and, and what do you start doing in terms of diagnosing them and then slowly implementing strategies to reduce the stress and then provide them with support so that they can endure the stress that they are actually living on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Well, I, I have free tools on my website to do this. I talk about it on social media so often because I just want so many people to have tools in their hands uh, because the first steps are really basic. It comes down to naming it. I mean, until we call it what it is and name specific stressors in our lives, stopping and taking an inventory. Um, I have handouts to help people do that on my site, but I do it with clients too. Like, let's put everything on the table. Let's be really objective about it and name all the good, all the bad, all the emotional, all the physiological, but what are the stressors in your life? And then let's rank them because good grief, we could all do a thousand things to fix a hundred problems in our health. And it would stress us out, quite frankly, (laughs) and that would only add to the problem. So really prioritizing what are the two or three biggest causes of stress in your life? Is it that you're sleeping, you know, six hours a night? That is not sustainable. We know based on literature that that significantly raises your cortisol levels. We know that over time that will change the, the, not only the physiology, but the anatomy of your brain. I mean, that's a recipe for poor health. So if it's sleep, Let's get you sleeping more. Let's create evening routines. Let's turn off the screens. Let's put up some boundaries. Let's block out more time for sleep. You know, if it's something, if it's finances, then you need to go get help and address that elephant in the room. You know, if it's a relationship that needs better boundaries, if it's you being a workaholic and that's just the way you've always been, then we need to really work in that area. If it's that you're on a total blood sugar roller coaster, thinking it's helping you to not eat for half the day, but your HPA axis is so burdened that all that's doing is putting more stress on the camel's back, then we probably need to get you eating first thing in the morning, balanced meals every few hours for now. And then we'll gradually, as you build strength and resilience, get you to a place where we might experiment with intermittent fasting or something later. So I think it comes down to starting with an inventory, a very honest inventory, and sometimes having someone on board who's outside the situation and can objectively help you identify those things is really helpful because things that are close to us and personal to us, we sometimes brush away or we're not willing to address. So Taking the inventory first is super duper important. And then in my opinion, we really need to sort of, as practitioners especially, do the both and. We can't just tell people like, look, you got some big nasty stress in your life. You have to open that box and just deal with it. Because for someone who is so at the brink, so exhausted, so overwhelmed. And honestly, it's just barely keeping it together. I, you know, I know that I was there and I know many of my clients have been there too. 
it's too much. I mean, they can't open some big box of something big and scary or some deep past emotional issue and start counseling and bringing all that up right away. So we have to really identify those things, work in the ways we can, you know, just start saying no more often, just start having a full day of rest every week, just start sleeping a little more. And then let's also get you some quick relief. You know, if there are basic supplements that I can bring on board to help you just feel like you can get to bed at night, and actually rest. If there are supplements I can bring on board to help you just feel like you have a little more sustained energy. If we need to run some basic labs and make sure your thyroid's okay and make sure your ferritin's good and see what your micronutrients are, let's do that because those are very easy targets to hit, you know, with some basic, basic nutrition, you know, veggies instead of veggie straws. Or if you're already doing the thing well with food, if you're already like paleo-ish or whatever form of real food you're doing, fine. Maybe we can make some little improvements, like half your plate is veggies, like buy pastured meat from a farmer. Take the next step there and get in some basic supplements to support you and maybe a few targeted ones for your specific issues um, that we've identified that really could help your big root causes while we continually dig and dig at the deeper root issues. And the people who are willing to not only fix the symptoms, but they are really ready to find out why and face whatever it is that comes up. Those are the people um, that I see that get the biggest successes because they're ready to go there. Yes, they want quick relief. We all do. And I really try to provide that. But the real traction, the real long-term success comes when you are willing to put up boundaries, say no, address the big surface issues that have probably been, like you said, lifelong character traits or life circumstances that have built this house of cards that's about to crash. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I think, digging in and really identifying personal situations and then addressing it both at the root cause, but also for some quick relief, like help a person out, give them some more energy so that they can tackle the big issues and then steadily, you know, walk with them on that journey. You know, I've told clients before that if you get on the freeway and go toward your destination, there's a fast lane, there's a middle lane and a slow lane, and they will all get you there. And there's no wrong pace to go. You can switch lanes at any time. I just really want you to stay on the road and not get so overwhelmed that you hit the exit ramp and abandon the whole thing. Because as long as you're moving forward, you're doing great. And you need to stop and celebrate those successes and recognize I'm growing as a person. I'm improving in the way that I handle stress. I have better boundaries. I am resting more, you know, and reinforce those things with yourself about all the things that you were doing to care for your health. And if you need to take it a half step at a time, that's totally fine, as long as you're moving in the right direction. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. You know, since your background is in nutrition, you know, is there a specific advisable 
diet that you recommend, you know, for people who are having issues with stress? I mean, do you advocate something that is more ketogenic, you know, paleo, vegan, carnivore? There's so many diets that are out there. And, or, or do you actually see what their background is in terms of their blood type, what their, uh, what their genotype is, and, and then try to pair the appropriate diet with them so that they can have a better physiological response to what they're putting into their bodies for nutrition. I mean, how, how do you address those? Yeah, well, I, I definitely am not a person who picks a particular camp and forces everyone into that box. I just don't see that helping people who come in so overwhelmed and so strapped if you decide to, you know, change everything about how they've always eaten at once. Some people can do that. And honestly, you know, the ones who'll sprint out the gate like that, they'll feel better fast. I mean, if you can put them on a perfect diet and they can actually pull it off, they'll feel great. But they crash and burn usually a few steps down the road is my experience. So I choose to take the long road where we personalize it. What has worked for you before? How do you eat now? Do you think you can make two small changes? Or are you like, I'm done with it. Give me a structured program and I will follow it. I want to feel better. Great, let's do it. Um, so I feel like there are definitely... Um, benefits to a lot of these specialty diets, if you will, you know, um, but I think that if you take the sum of literature and definitely the sum of my personal experience and my experience with clients over time, it just needs to be some version of real whole food with minimal processed mm -hmm. food, you know, like great, great grandmother ate 200 years ago, something that starts there and it can go out in a lot of different directions. You know, it can lean a little more this way or that way or whatever. And a lot of those versions will work for people. It just needs to be based on whole food and something they can actually do. And that's the starting place. And then as far as personalizing it, certainly, you know, I've had people come in to me who, who are vegans or lean that way or who avoid this, that, or the other, or who just don't like vegetables or whatever their kind of shtick is <laughs> with their diet. And, you know, I really do try to be objective and not push my philosophy on anyone, but I'll be very honest with people and say, you know, you're really struggling with anxiety and you can't keep your iron up and you're bleeding heavily and you refuse to eat animal foods for maybe some really valid, admirable reasons, but are you willing to just say, even if this has admirable qualities, physiologically, it's not working for me right now. Am I open to, you know, supplementing or choosing two animal foods I'm comfortable eating, you know, that sort of thing to kind of help them objectively see what's happening in their physical body and make a decision that they truly are comfortable with to make a change in the right direction. Not right because I believe it's right, but right because it, it seems objectively like that might serve their body better. And then, okay, well then let's retest Let's check your symptoms. You know, I have a couple of clients who are, you know, were veganish when they came to me who just in the last week or so have texted me like, I'm just feeling so much better. You know, I think sometimes if you're missing certain nutrients and, you know, you start getting them in, I mean, it's a matter of weeks before you feel better. It's sure. not months or years. So mm -hmm. it's really, I really do try to personalize and not have a particular camp that I'm in, but I think the literature is fully supportive of real whole foods of a variety of types you know, and then depending on a situation or objective data like lab work or, you know, mm -hmm. stool testing, hormone balancing will definitely modify foods and supplements for that. And I would imagine that you would probably want your clients on, in addition to whole foods, to have, you know, organically sourced foods, you know, because it's, it's, it's much less in toxic contents, less pesticides, less herbicides, and, you know, less GMOs. And, and these can actually you know, if we're eating a traditional food source and non-organic, then we're actually increasing the amount of toxic burden, which puts an undue stress on our bodies. And 
then we actually, unfortunately, with our leaky gut that is inevitable with these types of foods, we're going to get leaky brain and then we're going to cause inflammation of the brain. And, you know, we're going to be suffocating from those types of stressors and brain chemistry is compromised, which will increase the amount of stress, anxiety, depression. So it's just this cascade of events that occur, you know, with simple things of just eating correctly and eating the right foods and eliminating those chemicals and dyes and, and pesticides, we could just really turn the knob into better health instead of worsening health. Yes. How do you, you know, with that, with that being said, you know, there's always the concept of stress-induced eating, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people, you know, who binge and on food, it's due to stress. So how do you combat that issue? And, you know, what do you do for people who binge eat because that's how they cope with their stress? Yeah. Well, I think it's a valid and growing problem. And I think like, you know, so many other things, there's a little bit of a cultural normalcy to some of that, you know, uh, give me another glass of wine. You know, the wine Mm -hmm. thing has gotten really out of hand for a lot of women. And honestly, it's tipping a lot of them into estrogen excess. And that's one of their major problems, you know, or binging on sugar, you know, that's certainly terrible for gut health. It's certainly terrible for stress access resilience. Um, but when there's a mental, emotional, behavioral component, that's really strong. And for most people, that's been a lifelong thing or for most of their life. And it manifests maybe in different ways. Um, I think the real answer to that is not let's fix it on the surface. It's just like finding the root cause of a health issue. I can't just tell you like, you really can't eat sugar. It's bad for you. Well, they know that, you know, we've really got to dial it back. Right. And, and really what I, my focus is helping them to slow that train because a lot of that is driven by either blood sugar or neurotransmitters or um, this behavioral impulse that is so quick and so strong that you have to really slow the process down and try to interrupt it if you can, and then really get them asking why, why am I eating? I feel this way. Why do I feel that way? Because of this issue. What's the best fix for that? Is it food? No, that will make me feel guilty on the other side. I know from experience and it won't fix this issue. It just kicks the can down the road. Is that what I want? No. So what's the better route? So I do a lot of, you know, journaling as far as not just, you know, I ate half a cup of rice or 10 chocolate chips, but journaling when, why, and how I eat before I eat, what are my emotions? What are my physical symptoms? What's, what's going on in my thought process? What happened in my day in the last 30 minutes before I'm walking to the kitchen? And then maybe jot down what I ate and then honestly record the same things on the back end. How do I feel physically? How do I feel mentally? How do I feel emotionally? Is there a guilt that's showing up, you know, seven times a week in those journals? Okay. Then that's a major theme we need to address. There's a lot of eating things that you later feel guilty about. Why do you feel guilty? Should you feel guilty? Is it because they're not good for your health? Is it because they don't address your issue? Is it because of some other thing? Well, then let's unravel that and decide like, how could you choose something that makes you feel better on the other side? That makes you feel satisfied and grateful, happy with what you ate and pleased with yourself and really addressing the root issues in better ways. You know, maybe you need to like go outside and take a five minute walk just to breathe some fresh air, separate from the pressure, get your brain off of it, do some deep breathing, calm yourself down. You know, maybe you need to do something else that addresses the real root issue and then come back inside and get back into life. Um, So I think slowing down the impulse that pushes them to do that. And then really over time asking why and finding better 
mechanisms to handle those issues. And then I think just a whole, whole lot of affirmation of like, it is totally okay to fall on your face and fail in that area. And you just learn from it and you move on. You know, nobody decides I'm going to stop binging and they never, ever have an episode again. It is, is very messy. I've been there in my past. It's extremely messy. And you just got to scratch and claw your way and keep going. You just got to keep getting up and know that, you know, that's not the end of the world. I just got to keep right. going and I can get to the other side if I just keep going. That's all. And yeah, I mean, the educational piece I, I feel is extremely important because if you educate the person on what they're binging, if they're binging, you know, like uh, cookies and, and, you know, processed food, you know, th- this is just feeds into that yeah. process of gaining weight and, and disrupting the gut, disrupting, you know, the blood bane barrier with to- more toxins. And it just, yeah. and, I, and I, then I think people are going to be understanding. And then, you know, it doesn't take very long to actually switch the process. If they're able to switch, you know, within a week's time to 10 days, two weeks, you'll see an entire shift mm-hmm. in the way how they feel, how they sleep. You know, the reduction in depression, reduction of anxiety, and the stress systems just start to like reduce. And it's unfortunate that I think people in, in, in today's society, people have such a huge tie to amount of toxic burden in their system that it's just one or two things that can just tip them over the edge. And then they just have a shutdown in their systems or they go into a deep, dark depression. And no one knows when that tipping point is. But with all the stuff that's going on, you know, especially with you know, all this new EMF stress that's coming, it's it's basically going to be plaguing us very shortly, you know, and all the other foods that we're exposed to that just have an exorbitant amount of toxic uh, chemicals. It, it's inevitable that we're going to reach that t- tipping point. So it's it's all about getting the word out, getting the educational out, education out to folks that, that are in our society and the Western culture that that need to be educated and understand what's going on. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the other thing that whole, like, yes, let's look at the deeper root issue, but let's have some quick relief as well. Some tools to like help you actually address those things. You know, if we can see that they're like serotonin and dopamine seeking, you know, and they're basically getting drugs to feed that when they binge. Okay. Well then maybe there are some amino acids, maybe there are some nutrients, maybe there's some blood sugar balancing earlier in the day before you get to that evening episode that we can do just to help your body not be so prone to drive you in that direction in addition to working at the deeper level. So I think also identifying, you know, what are the physiological drivers, even though we know there are deep, you know, behavioral issues as well. Um, mm-hmm. And how can we modulate those in ways that are reasonable for them? You know, and there are definitely clients, you know, I have one right now who, you know, has, is so standard American. She's an older woman has collected years and years and years of diagnoses and medications and just layers of behavioral issues with food. And, you know, she's finally at the point where she's like, I think I should probably do better. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I wish we had met 15 years ago, but she is where she is, you know? Mm-hmm. And admittedly, she's like, I buy a bag of peanut M&Ms and then I hide them in my purse, you know? So just these big glaring trouble areas. And if we can just that sugar as a drug for her, I think it very much is psychologically as well as behaviorally. Um, if we can just say like, what if for two weeks you just like didn't bring sugar into the home, like two weeks, like just give me two weeks. Like you said, you know, because sometimes just pulling the plug on one little thing like that, I, you know, to hold her very honestly, like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Cause I think there will be an amount of psychological and physiological detoxing you're going to go through and it's going to be rough. But if you can get to the other side of two weeks 
And then let's like loosely see if you might at that point be willing to go two more weeks. I guarantee you in one month, you feel so Mm -hmm. much less prone to that stuff and so much more in control, not control in a restrictive forcing my body sense, but control in a way that I have autonomy. And when I say I'm going to do something and I choose to do it, it feels great because I know Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of my body better and I'm resisting temptation. And that's an upward cycle. If you can get a little success, it always breeds more success. So I think meeting the more they are and giving them those teeny tiny steps, even if it's one little thing that can whittle away at that big monster they're dealing with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just so helpful to meet them where they are and bring them along. And, and lastly, what I really want to talk about, since this is sort of like, I guess, your your realm of expertise, is the concept of, of fasting, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about fasting relative to reduction of stress, right? So yeah. are you more of a, of a person who recommends like the 12-12, you know, 16-8, you know, or are you more of like, you know, uh, or do you advocate a person do... Um, you know, the one meal a day or even just a regular once a week, 24 hour fast? Like what's the yeah. best that you've seen in terms of advising your clients and, and and having the best results? Yeah. Well, I think on paper, it probably a lot of people would benefit from some form of fasting, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, whether it's behaviorally, we see actually great data for intermittent fasting and binge eating of all things, all the way to the physiological benefits, you know, autophagy and, you know, gut health and a lot of things in our bodies could benefit from fasting maybe just because of the clientele I see, most people come to me after they've been around the block, they've done all the things, they've seen all the people and they are just deep in a ditch and not getting results. And so usually my work with people is getting them out of the ditch. And I usually find that any form of fasting and and most of them are women too. So there's inherent food relationship issues with a lot of these people. And so I do tiptoe around things that are overly restrictive or, um, carefully um, controlled as far as eating rules or timing of eating. So I have, I probably count on one hand, the times I've recommended some form of fasting for someone. Now, if someone comes in and it's totally working for them and they're like, I just feel so much better with my gut and with my energy when I intermittent fast. And I really think it works for me. Hey, great. I'm so happy about that. Um, But most people, you know, when they get to me, we're trying to like pick up the pieces and get them on the road to health. And fasting usually is much lower down on my list than things like balancing blood sugar and getting them to sleep and having them eat more vegetables and, you know, cut down on toxins and things like that. I think there's great value in it um, when you're at the fine tuning stage, usually. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't find that many of the women who get to me are in a place where they're ready to implement fasting. Um, So that's my quick take on it. That's awesome. I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, well, Dina, I wanted to uh, thank you for being on our show. And for our listeners who want to find more information about you and what you do, um, what's the best way that they can locate you and find you? Yeah, thank you. Well, my website is back to the book nutrition.com. So I'm definitely there. You can schedule a free 10 minute discovery call on any page of the website. If you want to learn more about working with me, I'd love to jump on a call and hear more about what you're dealing with. And I'll give you a honest read on whether I think I can help. Um, but I'm also on social media, mostly on Instagram. Um, my tag there is back to the book nutrition as well. Um, so those are the best ways to connect with me. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And it was great seeing you and I appreciate your time with us today. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks again.